it's just understanding how both are valuable in your teams, right? I mean, you have to also, when you build a product team and this is what you know, then this person is the best at that, then you maximize that. Hi, I'm Anna Bigornia. You're listening to Gut Talks, double G-U, double T. Hi, everyone. Maria here, and welcome to season two of God Talks, double G-U-double-T, a podcast focusing on business and tech for good, experience design, and gut feelings. I'm Maria, designer, strategist, and venture builder running GUT, double G-U-double-T, a design and innovation hub. I decided to launch God Talks as the pandemic hit with an ambition to educate, put some karma on the board, and feature entrepreneurs, industry leaders, and investors who deserve recognition and have inspiring stories to tell. Feel free to email me if you need me, maria at god.com, W-G-U-T, or check the links in the show notes. If you haven't noticed, there are no sponsors for the show, but you can still support God Talks, and it's super easy. Just leave a five-star review and a comment. And follow our social media channels on LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, and the Telegram channel. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get started. Anna Bigornia is the country manager and head of product at MedCheck, a health tech company based out of the Philippines. And we were together at university about like... 10, 11 years ago, something like that. And she has an interesting journey going from media and design to working in the corporate world, to starting her own startups, going through accelerators and working in advertising, and now in another startup focusing on health tech. So we're going to be focusing on the journey to becoming a product manager and managing and designing and building great products. So Anna, thank you so much for being here. Hi, Maria. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Cool. So let's uh, kick this off as we usually do on Gut Talk. So who's Anna? So Anna is actually a mix of everything. So Anna can sometimes be a designer. Anna can sometimes be a social media manager. Anna can sometimes, at one point, write user flows, write policies, and of course, you know, do the whole product pipeline. So it's just about getting things done. So basically, if you want to get things done, a lot of people ask me how to get things done. So let's uh, maybe go back a little bit in time and just, you know, product management, you know, being a product manager, being the product person, you know, is a buzzword sometimes, but it's also a key role in uh, many companies in larger organizations and in startups, because it's the person who has to deal with lots of, you know, conflicts and lots of teams and lots of people nagging and lots of people thinking what they're doing is a priority. And sometimes there are different priorities. So it's an interesting role because lots of things can go on. You have to wear maybe different hats and, and there are different, I mean, we're not talking about the role here or a definition or anything like that, but just the language around it and, you know, what it takes maybe to be a product manager and sort of, you know, this thing, I just want to put things into perspective because the role will be different in different organizations. Obviously it's not like one that's going to be the same everywhere. So how did you get started? I remember when we first met, you were into advertising, right? You were doing uh, into, into media videos 
So yeah, yeah, just take us a bit through that. Right. So you're right, Maria. Product manager takes on a lot of different hats, putting fires out in a lot of different departments and a lot of building. I think that's the core of a lot of product managers or maybe to say when I started. So I started out as a motion designer, which is really far, like from motion designer to a product designer. But um, a motion designer is also kind of like telling stories through language and visuals. So I was there in the room editing for TV commercials, working with the director, working with an account manager. So it's at that point, starting with that, it's already kind of balancing needs and wants, like prioritizing, but making the work better, like moving on. So I was doing that before I met you. And when I met you, that's in Milan, actually, that kind of accelerated the perspective from creating to adding a bit more business acumen into getting things done. Like, what's the impact now of the product or the things you do? So my journey to being a product manager is is an evolution, really, like from a creator to getting things about business and then joining advertising right after that. So I joined BVDO as an innovations director. And there I got to learn to build products online, offline. Like at one point I was building a shed. At one point I was doing drones. At one point I was building like websites. So it's a lot of different things that you put together and a lot of different people that you talk to. So then that added to my um, toolkit of becoming a product manager. And so after um, advertising as well, but it's all about uh, creating. So after advertising, I went to banking. Then I learned about a lot of um corporate policies so that's when the legalities came in right like how it is to build to set up working with corporate systems working with larger user base and the impact of the business so at that point i really saw how my products the products i build how it would impact user end and how we roll it and right now my journey is in a health tech startup and that even more of building the product from scratch building the product from one to maybe five different products and wearing different hats to make it grow now i really see what i create and the impact of what i create so being a product manager is i guess you must probably love to build things and love to see the impact of what you're building Cool. So you're saying you you actually get your hands dirty. So you started doing stuff. So at any point in time, yes. you can jump in and like, it's not about just reading something, whatever. It's like making it happen, basically. No, a lot of things actually. So sometimes like my role, especially with a lot of new technology coming in, it's all about learning quickly, right? You don't maybe need to know like the full stack, for example, of like blockchain layer two, but you need to know what are the best applications for it and how the best way to integrate it. So it's a lot of learning and failing at the same time and being able to get up once it's, it's failed and of course, finding the opportunities for getting things moving. So as I would always say, if no one's going to do it, who will at this point? So you wear different hats, right? Yeah, because you said you also you built, uh, you designed journeys, you also built, you know, wireframes and prototypes and tested them and like the whole thing. So it's a lot of work with customers too, obviously, lots of work with customers reporting internally to the internal teams and know how to talk to the different teams and see how to get things done. What are the main challenges here? The main challenge is actually when you talk to also the customers is to have that mindset of what can I do to help and make things better? And translating that to your delivery team, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Translating that, because if, if it's not the delivery team, it might be easier for the delivery team, but 
not so good for the customer, then it's on you as a product manager to be like, oh no, where did I go wrong? Because you'll see your usage drop. So one of the key challenges is, of course, continuously having that mindset of curiosity to make, and if it's not measurable, then you don't really know what the impact, right? You have qualitative data, quantitative data. So getting to know the impact of that data and how you're going to make it work. And of course, I think from what I've learned working in the startup is getting things out fast, even if it's not the full scale feature that you want. Yeah. Um, it's getting it out fast just to see if they like it or they're using it or, or you know, if it's something that you can jump. Yeah, or improve and it really, yeah, that's one of the key things right. of why also startups can fail in a certain way. I see fail, it means like sometimes they like funding, sometimes they're a bit too late to go to market and so on. It's because they want to get it completely right. And this is not going to happen if you don't put it out there. You won't know what the feedback is. And the feedback comes from different angles, actually, that's from right. how to sell it, how to present it, how to, you know, how people want to read it, how they want to use it in different ways, because you might have different use cases you never thought about. And, and yeah. this is one of the major things. It's like, no, no, let's keep building it for the next 10 years and then spend all this money and then realize that oh no, we should have done that, you know, before or whatever. And to add to that, so good point. Well, but the key also of being a product manager is to collaborate with all your different departments because your insights come from yeah. anywhere, right? It can, come from, sure. it can come from people on the ground. It can come from the business development team who just talked to, to a client just fairly recently. So it, it, it comes from all of that and you balancing to make things work also. Yeah, I mean, let's try to visualize this. This is a really common, you know, representation. You have the product manager in the middle and then it branches out to the different teams. And, yeah. you know, you're able to communicate with all of them. So now you're building, you said, one product that branched out into other products as well. And yeah, okay. in the corporate world, you were building different products. So were you like yeah. managing different products at this point or you had, there were different product managers and how were the dynamics here? It was very different because um, in banking, of course, you have to manage risk factors. There's a lot of legal. Yeah. So it depends on the industry also that you're in, right? Um, with banking, definitely you have to get things. Um, it's, it's not as flexible. Maybe in, in, maybe in fintech it might be, but in like strictly banking, it's getting things right at like maybe 90% of the time. <laughs> Of course, I think they're legal and stuff, something like that. So I was the main product manager working with a lot of different departments to um, get things done also. So we didn't really have a lot, at least in that situation, there were not a lot of product managers in that. And so I think all the products just felt to me to see how it's going to work. But working, of course, with the different departments and polishing specific things. Yeah, but in the startup, I guess the setup is still the same. So I still manage all the products that kind of like grew from one to five. So, I mean, that's, I would say it's sort of the same um, in that sense, just different dynamics, um, different And it's interests. slower probably in the corporate world. Uh, uh, yes, of course. Yeah. Maybe it's the nature of the industry also. Yeah. I mean, you need to constantly assess the risk, right? Of yeah. what feature you're going to go out. What do you enjoy doing? Like, or what do you miss doing on a day-to-day -day basis? You personally? Actually, I miss creating on day-to-day -day basis. <laughs> Ironic, you know. But right now, most of the time, I spend my time collaborating, managing, um, making sure things are aligned Things are done. But sometimes I also miss getting there in the weeds and, you know, 
like designing, making sure the features are there, uh, brainstorming with my team and the best user flow. So I guess it's just a different product manager hat right now at the stage that I'm in. And I want to ask you as well, like you also started working on your own startups, I think a couple of them, right? And you went to accelerators, if I'm not mistaken. With the different startups, we were in competitions mostly, but I don't think we reached like an accelerator stage. Uh, So the accelerator was for your current startup. You never quit your job to do that. So how (laughs) did, yeah, so how did you manage uh, both like and you know, what happened to the startup? Um, how do you manage both? Wow. Um, I actually, now I think back, I'm like, how did I manage both? <laughs> That's a tricky question. So I would compare advertising and the startup environment as being always on. Like you're always on. It doesn't matter like what you're doing, right? Sometimes taking a vacation, you're still on. <laughs> so it's, um, it was just managing your time properly to get things done. So it would be sometimes I had my day job, right? Sometimes... So it was uh, in advertising and maybe you'd end like 10 p.m. But it's just working on your startup, maybe an hour, less than an hour, and then kind of seeing how you can move forward from there. So luckily, uh, during that time when I had that first startup, which was Life Mesh, I also had a co-founder who was a developer. So both of us had the same work ethic and kind of like moving things forward. But sadly, the startup, we had to kind of close it. Um, I think it was just maybe a bad timing where we were in a stage where we couldn't move forward. So we just decided to, to take it as an experience, right? In the next one that we'll be building. All right. So there's always a next one then. <laughs> there's always. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you're a creator, I guess you never stop, right? <laughs> yeah. You're just always building. I have another question that might be like any recommendation on how to manage maybe conflict between different teams and help them prioritize. Yeah, so that's really tricky because you have a lot of different stakeholders, right? So you have the CEO who's like the main stakeholder of everything. And then you have the clients who are paying for everything. On a daily basis, it's always negotiating which things can be. If there are like five different projects, it's just kind of negotiating what's the best way to satisfy your stakeholders at this point, right? Because you have limited delivery team, a limited time and turnaround. And just under trying to understand like, Okay, in two weeks, what do you really need? Because sometimes it's like a lot of fluff. So it's kind of like investigative. In so you really need to ask and push all your stakeholders to be like, do you really need this at this point? And understand what the impact is. Okay, so if I don't get this out, what's the impact to our investors? If I don't get this out, what's the impact to our clients? Or I guess sometimes, of course, if I cram everything, what's the impact to my team? So there's also that aspect you're trying to balance, right? I mean, you don't want your team to burn out. You don't want to burn bridges with your clients. And you don't want your investors to think that you're not like doing anything at the same time. So yeah, it's always a delicate daily balance, I would say. <laughs> How do you build product teams, build and scale product teams? There are different approaches depending on where you are. Like, for example, if you're in a, a bigger company, a product team, can be by itself without adding different departments to it. Like, for example, a product manager. It's just a product manager with maybe a designer. That's it. And then a delivery team is something else different, right? Um, In a startup, it can also be approached very differently, just product team and then collaborating with all the delivery teams. But there are some maybe more mature, more 
uh, different companies who structure product teams with a designer, a developer, and then a product manager all in one. So they become like mini product teams and focusing on each of the journey. So I guess it depends on how it works for your company as well. So that's I guess how, how you how many how many products and how complex are the products as well. Yeah, I've heard of like for example, there's a chat support team. For me, that's like a customer support in the journey, right? That's going to be also a huge undertaking. But the challenges there are very different from someone in the signing, the first-time user experience team, right? When a customer signs in, what's the best way? How to make yeah. it shorter? So I guess if you're a product manager, it just depends on which part of the team, which part of the journey you're in, or which part of the team structure you're in, and how it interests you, and how you can make it better. So. You learn, I guess, in every step that you are. Anyway, ad break. No, not an ad. But as you may have noticed, this show has no sponsors. But you can still support Gut Talks by leaving five stars or a comment on your podcast player, and like, share, and follow the social media channels of Gut G U T. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get going. I mean, it goes back because, you know, we have this kind of designer product yeah. manager approach, but you have also yeah. maybe designers focusing on a very specific step That's of right. the journey, for example, where they focus, I don't know, maybe on checkout and then and this is it. But it goes back to the car manufacturing industry where you have designers who just build the doors and, and all they do is the door, for example, and yeah. <laughs> things yeah. like that. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things we can learn from very traditional industries before, you know, the whole uh, digitization of things. So you're right, right? For example, there's a product designer just focusing on doors, but then you have to have someone who's going to stitch it all together. But I've been reading like lately. So as I mentioned, there's in one product team, you'll have a designer, a developer. Right now, it might be easier to have all designers in one team so that they can collaborate on the whole design and then kind of like have the product manager and, for example, the developer build to based on what also they envision. So different approaches, right, to see which ones work. I want to relate to this to episode number 30 of season one with Gianluca Brunioli, where we spoke about, you know, customer experience at scale and at length, really. And the experiences you may have with, I don't know, traveling uh, companies or airways with different, so let's delete this, the experience you may have with airlines or telcos or, or even banks where you mm. feel that there is no alignment between the teams and this yeah. can happen where everyone is working in silos so even if I think the teams are very specialized there should be a bridge between one team and another in order not to create breaks and keep the experience fluid to the users this is a, a big challenge and I guess it depends on how the organization is what kind of product or products they have and, and all of this that's right i think it's aside from stitching all together you also have a cultural aspect right to address Absolutely. there are yeah. yeah so i think that's actually the main barrier of a lot of trying to have collaborative teams because their teams used to working in silos it's not natural for them to want to be involved with what the other team is doing so I think we mentioned this before, and that's where the cadence comes in, right? You force everyone to come together to understand why what they're doing affects the other one or what they need to get things done. And you as a product manager or product owner tries to stitch everything together, of course, with, you know, it's like using your gut to, <laughs> to see how the specific nuances 
for each department in getting things together. So I think really that's the biggest challenge in all of this more traditional industries that are used to working in silos. You have to have the right grit to be there, to put yourself in the middle of everyone where no one was. And and be attacked. (laughs) Yeah, and be attacked. No, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Why is this person doing it? (laughs) You know, you're volunteering yourself to take that step so that you kind of can get everything together. Yeah, Yeah, being in the front line. There we go. Yeah, Uh, you you wait for everyone. But yeah, that's, I mean, that was really tricky, especially in cultures that are very solid. Can you imagine like five, 10 years they've been doing that and the people are used to it. So it's very different. Yeah, it's hard to get someone out of their routine. There's one thing as well that you notice there are two kinds of people, maybe that's really generalizing it, but let's put it that way just to simplify it. Those who want to keep learning things and are okay to try new things, to experiment, to explore. And those who prefer to stick to what they know already and just focus on that. And and actually, we need both approaches. Yes, we do. So We do, we do. And this is like, yeah, the good thing about it. Otherwise, nothing will get done. So Yeah, it's just understanding how both are valuable in your teams. Right. I mean, you have to also when you build a product team and this is what you know, then this person is the best at that, then you maximize that. Right. So there's pros and cons. If a lot of like, for example, people who would like to continuously learn, you create the safe space for them. If they learn and it, it's okay, right? If it doesn't really pan out as expected, you create that safe space. And for people who just want to stay in one place, you again create the safe space for them to slowly move into a okay, this is the direction I want to be and make, I think there are a lot more assurances I'm given to a person who is already in the comfort zone. So we need both. As product manager, you just have to see how you're going to bring both people who are equally valuable and make them work together. Yeah, and it's about setting the right expectations also and keeping this alignment. Yeah, it's probably like, I don't know, 60% alignment. As you get up, you're just like, okay, I need to make sure everyone is the same. So right now you're also a country manager. So you're still head of product. And so you're doing two roles at the same time, which is very common in the startup world anyway. But, you know, when you say, however, country manager, it's a bigger role that comes with more responsibilities and more pressure. How are you dealing with this? And what are you doing that you were not doing before? So first is, what am I doing that I'm not doing before? So it's a lot of operations uh, work, uh, finance, HR. So really getting into the guts of like what makes the company work, right? So it's it's similar to building a product and getting into the... (laughs) getting to the weeds and trying to find out so it's something like that just in a bigger scale like for the whole company and how am I managing it it's the same as we mentioned like the last time it's also making sure your priorities are set right you can't do in one day everything in one day you really can't even if you try right so it's just kind of trying to see what needs to be done at a certain time for me my biggest learning is to make sure everyone is always aligned because yeah, if that's, not, uh, that's massive. Yeah. yeah. If not, then it snowballs into like your whole week. So <laughs> you're just like, oh no. <laughs> so that's, yeah, I guess uh, that's massive because this yeah. can actually get everything into the wrong direction because sometimes within one team, even people might think that they're aligned and actually, you know, realize that they're not. And that's, that's right. very tough actually to achieve, but it's the fun part also to see that you're helping them getting aligned. And yeah. enter, especially, I mean, from my perspective, if I work with external, I, I obviously work with, not within one 
product or so on. The key priority is always to get even founders aligned or the entire team aligned or even students who are working on a project at university aligned. So, and that's key. Otherwise, it slows down everything. How do you do that? That's right. I think that comes from my, um, so I would credit my ad agency background. It's always, you know, pushing and making sure that everyone's aligned. Even if sometimes you feel like there's some situations that are a bit delicate, right? But you have to just be there and make sure that, you know, this is what we're doing. It needs to be a cadence that you establish. Sometimes this behavior is not innate to everyone, but you establish the cadence and everyone will just follow. Because if it's not there, it's not going to happen. <laughs> and that will snowball later. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I guess I got my learning from, okay, different industry, let's get it done. Yeah, and being in the trenches, like getting, like doing actually the stuff, not just like, like actually yeah. building creating building. as you said yeah not uh, yeah and of course um mentoring your team at the same time to follow yeah. the same cadence ethic that that you want right so that you know um at least at times when i feel like oh, okay the team has its cadence i don't need to be there and you know push them to do it because at one point they'll get used to it yeah, yeah and and i guess so you you find the right balance yourself in the sense and you know you know when to go in you know when to leave them and stay out of it. Yeah, okay. there's sometimes when you you think they're ready, but they're not. So then you come back and start mentoring them again. Okay, this is this is. So it's still trying and testing, right? But as you mentioned, in startups, it's easier for it to snowball into a bigger problem if you don't stop it there. Especially if it's also depending on funding and so on. Um, That's right. It keeps the pressure up and. It, can create not problems but conflict going back to that <laughs> yeah. just because of you know there's pressure on on everyone you know to pay suppliers to pay uh, collaborators you know whatever yeah. so we're at this moment it tad loud in it <laughs> but i want to ask you you know yeah you've been listening i noticed a few podcasts but do you trust your gut actually in what you do actually on a day-to-day -day basis yeah so in filipino we call it discarta so it's the way you approach things right i can only teach someone how to approach it but approaching it is like also using your gut feel to understand the context of the situation and seeing the best way to solve it is this the best way to intervene is it you know here so it's something that you can try to teach but it, it's a bit tricky <laughs> that's it so every day you would, you would try to see at which point is best. And of course, um, using your gut feel to grab the right tools in your toolkit, trying to see which one works at this time, because you have a lot of, I mean, at least my background, a lot of experience where, so I'll just say, okay, maybe I need to use this hat at this point. There's um, a lot of improvisation, I guess, here as well, yeah. uh, based on what you're saying. So let, let's go a little bit to what you're uh, building right now at MedCheck a little bit. So it's a data-driven company, right? So Yeah, we're a clinical data company. That's right. Yeah, I just wanted to ask, what does it do? Can you just give to the audience like a one-minute pitch on what is it that <laughs> MedCheck is doing? And I know <laughs> that you're scaling now to other countries too. Uh, so we're scaling. We are a clinical data company for emerging markets. So one of the key things is that the Philippines, digital transformation or digitization is not really present. So we started out with one of our key products, which is electronic medical health records. And when you visit a doctor, they have all your data on the platform. 
on a digital platform. So it's easy for them to see your history if you go to another doctor. So currently in Southeast Asia, we're not as mature as in the U.S. So I think in the U.S. they've been using that electronic health record. So here we're building it. We are currently the partner of the national government, Department of Health for cancer. So we focus on diseases, specialty diseases like oncology, cancer. So that's why uh, we cover like the whole country. And with cancer, there are very specific data points that the doctor needs to collect. And with that, like we share the doctor, the national data, like, like for example, if they're um, a subset of women at this age experiencing this type of cancer, what can be the most effective treatment based on our data? So one of the key things that MedCheck does is real world evidence in that sense. We're working with, of course, hospitals and leveraging that. So it's normal appointment booking. Uh, we're also working with life science and pharmaceuticals and also getting that data. And as I mentioned, we are with the Department of Health Cancer. It's called the Patient Support Program, where we have a specific platform where the patients or where the doctors input it, their, their patients on a registry. So it's, it's a very specific subset. So if I would try to explain, so the medical health record is the base of it. It just keeps on getting narrow based on which industry we partner with. Okay. And now you're expanding in different markets in Asia, right? Like Indonesia. Yeah. Um, Indonesia, yes. Um, we're partnering with Indonesia, um, hopefully the rest of Southeast Asia. And hopefully we expand to other territories like maybe mm-hmm. Europe or the US. We're building really fast. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so that we get there to the, next, to the next year. Yes, I mean, it's been a really interesting journey because I think COVID has the whole situation. The pandemic has accelerated growth of a lot of businesses in, well, digital businesses. And you're dealing with health as well. So in that yeah, case, so, so. It's, it was just like, I would say I was in there at the right time, at the right place. I mean, I'm so, <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> yeah. I just remember going to work and on the first week it started. So I was like, yeah. Oh, I'm in an industry that is relevant and can help people. I mean, yeah. So one of the things also that I experienced during the whole building, right, is feedback from the doctors, which is also, it was good for me uh, personally to know that our platforms have helped them in treating patients, right? So that's kind of like the, you know, what you're building is helping. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, because your users are the doctors in that sense, but the end users are the patients and you might not always I mean question here how do you collect feedback from your end users because there's lots of data protection here also so how or can you reach out to them and if you are reaching out how are you doing it Uh, we are HIPAA compliant and we are 21 CFR 11 compliant which just means like uh, we follow all the rules for the local data privacy collection and of course we always have clauses when the doctors enroll, we make sure that, you know, they understand the terms and conditions, the data privacy. So the way we structure the, the way the company and our backend is structured is so that we adhere to those rules, right? That's the main concern of all the doctors, what happens to the patient's data. So if we did not, then we wouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah. So, so Can you collect feedback from them? For the patients itself, we've built systems that we can, but okay. that's through our clients, right? So it's a, your normal NPS scoring that you do. For the doctors also, we also have automated feedback forms. And of course, here, it's high touch point. So meaning the doctors would rather talk to a physical person than form, right? So we talk to the sales teams, our engagement teams a lot, of course, to know what the feedback 
is of the product or sometimes feedback of the patient to the doctor on using the product. So as I mentioned, a lot of different feedback coming in from different places at the same time. All right. And you kind of sit in the middle as well of this one. Between <laughs> you just there. kind of get the feedback, you structure it, you act on it. Cool. I don't know if there's anything else you would like to add product-wise. Yeah, I mean, like you have to continuously evolve. <laughs> continuously. It's not like, in my opinion, if you sit there, that's it. You have to continuously evolve because their technology will evolve as well. So you have to know the best way to merge both, right? How the technology can make things better for your users, your team, your company. So it's always like, can be a game of catch up sometimes, but I think it's, it's a need to always be aware at least. And to continue building their skill set because you'll never know what you're going to get, right? I mean, at this point, you might need to be a social media manager for a while or do marketing or maybe at one point you need to write policies yeah so knowing how to do everything not maybe be an expert at everything but be a generalist right. and understanding different areas how they work you know and having yeah. done some of this stuff and experimented i guess this is what you said this makes sense and because also we also just to wrap up like the life cycle of building a product in the corporate world is also different than building a product or products in, in the startup world i mean it's you said it's very similar in a way but some of the dynamics are probably different just due to the way the organizations are and are built i also you know the corporate world is a slower in a certain way but it doesn't mean it's a bad thing sometimes it it no. has to be because of specific reasons uh, That's right. but this is why they have innovations of startups coming in <laughs> going yeah. in, in a different way <laughs> and trying to attack the same market and so on so anyway thank you so much for this for being on gut talks Thank you um, for having me. And yeah, thank you for sharing your journey as well. Where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, connect with me, and I'd be happy to have a conversation or work on something together. <laughs> it's always about building, right? <laughs> yeah, cool. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Maria. You are listening to Gut Talks by Maria Matloop. To support the show, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with anyone who could benefit from listening to these stories and experiences. To continue the conversation, join the Telegram channel. All links are in the show notes. Thanks for listening and see you next time.